Hype Beast Radio. I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. If someone told you that you can go from painting nails to designing sneakers, would you believe them? Would you believe that they're much more related than you might actually think? It takes a creative and determined mind to make that transition. And today's Business of Hype guest is here to break down just how she was able to do it. She is the senior color designer at Nike working on Air Force Ones. And not only did she make the jump from nails to kicks, but she's been able to marry both passions into one very amazing career arc. Her true hustle spirit and design talents took her from the Poconos to Parsons with incredible opportunities at different brands like Coach, Marc Jacobs, and a few surprising ones in between. Her story speaks volumes about really looking into yourself to find out what you love and then going after it. Please welcome to this week's Business of Hype, Jessica Washick. Thanks a lot for coming all the way to New York City from Portland, Oregon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being in the studio, which uh, today is the um, pre-development room for Staple, but offers good sound insulation. <laughs> uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who we have in today. I'm Jessica Washick. I'm a nail artist, and I'm also a senior color designer in men's footwear at Nike. Nice. You're our first Nike employee. Oh my gosh, really? I think so. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. How long have you been at Nike? Um, it's about four years now in total. Okay. Yeah. Your title was like a novel in and of <laughs> itself. So let's break down all the words in your title. So yeah. what do you do at Nike? Well, I'm a senior color designer. So senior I'm, color designer. Yeah. Um, Imagine you're talking to someone who doesn't know footwear at all and like doesn't understand how shoes are made. Like, What does a color designer mean? In color design, um, and I don't know if I can really talk about this one too much because I... Um, but In general, like at Parsons, what does a color designer mean? It's really like we're obsessed with color. Mm -hmm. And I think like just like really obsessing the color for the season. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, people probably don't understand that like color design is not just like picking random palette. No, like, yeah. that's There's that's, a lot of thought, concept, and coordination that goes into it, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To say the least. Right. There's There's a lot. Um, I mean, I've always been obsessed with color, so mm -hmm. I think it's like, yeah, I, I really enjoy doing that. Right. Okay. So you're coloring shoes at Nike. Is there a particular style or silhouette that you focus on? Um. Yeah, I do focus on the Air Force One. I dabble in some other styles, but that's like... The main style that I work on. That's a good style. Yeah. Some people know that style, <laughs> the Air Force One. <laughs> yeah, a little That's bit. That's amazing. That's yeah, dope. it's pretty cool. I mean, I really do, I, I really love my job. I appreciate um, the opportunities that I have and I'm like thrilled to be there. So, mm. yeah. Okay, so let's talk um, a little bit about like the history of how you even got to where you are today because it's, it's, a, it's a long history. And I remember when you just introduced yourself, you actually said something before your job at Nike, yeah. which was nail artist. Nail artist, yeah, yeah 100%. That, Those two things, you don't think nail art when you think Nike necessarily. Right. So those are two interesting juxtapositions. Talk about nail art in general first before, like not necessarily in your 
sort of like experience with it, but just what is nail art for the for the person that doesn't know? Uh, nail art <laughs> is like a manicure, but like bumped up, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like you're kind of, um, I guess like you're designing something on a nail, like a picture, you're painting a small image, you're, you're, you know, creating a concept and kind of coming, having it come through on a manicure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like a really enhanced manicure. Yeah. yeah. And it's really intricate. What? Very much. That's, the, the whole genre is very, very intricate because you're yeah. limited to like a nail. half an inch by half an <laughs> yeah. inch surface. If you're lucky, yeah. But the complexity is like insane that goes into it. It can be really, yeah, it can be very complex. And especially like um, the brushes that we use are like super small, like needle thin. And um, yeah, you hit it right on the head when you mm-hmm. said details. It's like all about the details. Needless to say, I doubt you can be like a nervous, jittery person while doing <laughs> nail art, right? Yeah, you cannot. <laughs> uh, I was joking the other day that like even sometimes when I would be doing someone nails, I'd be doing like a death grip on their finger. Like, you know, cause sometimes you're really so focused <laughs> that you don't realize you're holding their nail really hard and you're almost hoping like, you know, it, at points I stop breathing, you know, just because yeah. I need to do like a steady line. And it's not like I, you know, I'm suffocating or anything like that, but it's just like holding your breath until you get that right stroke and mm. you get the right movement or shape. That's like common amongst nail artists for sure. How do you start doing nail art? Is it on yourself? Like, take us back to the beginning of, like, when you were, like, I'm good at this. Oh. Well, you know what's funny? Like, actually, the way that I got into nails was pretty interesting. Um, I was out of college, and I was um, going through a breakup at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, sitting on the couch, like, doing nothing, like, overeating, you know, and, like, watching, like, sappy shows. And I had developed a really strong work ethic from college because I went to Parsons, which was, like you know, very difficult. Yeah. You went there too. I yeah. Think. We'll yeah. get into art school. Yeah. Shortly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, basically that was kind of my work ethic was like breathing down my neck. Like, listen, you're spending all your time sitting here doing nothing, like do something. And mm-hmm. I kind of realized that I hadn't taken care of myself. I hadn't done my nails in a long time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're letting yourself go like you know, post breakup. Yeah. yeah. And so, and even in, when I was in the breakup, I mean, when I was in the relationship, because there was just so much stuff, um, so anyway, I just started doing my my nails to get over it, and I just kept doing it like every single week. My roommate at the time was Japanese, and mm-hmm. you know, nail art is pretty big in Japan. So he was like really encouraging me to like continue on with like doing nails. He would buy like nail magazines and stuff like that, and we would look through them. And um, like they really doing my nails and doing nail art specifically on my mm-hmm. nails just gave me this like power. When you have your nails done and you have a nail art on your hands, and I know people relate to what I'm saying, it just, it fuels you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it changes your whole outlook, right? It changes everything. Yeah, 100%. So um, I was like, you know, I just kept like cope. Like that's how I was coping. I was kind of mm-hmm. like using nail art as a therapy. And one day I was walking home from work and I was like looking at my nails, like these are so cute. Like I did such a cute nail, you know? <laughs> and I remember thinking at that time, like, oh shoot, like today's the first day I think that I didn't think about that specific individual, mm. you know? And I said to myself in that moment, you know what? You don't need a man. You need a manicure. And I thought that that was kind of funny, like myself, not necessarily like, you know, you don't need a man or you don't need a partner in life. It was just the fact of like, I had this realization that, you know, I wasn't necessarily putting myself first in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that phrase, my trademark right now is like really about 
putting yourself first in every single relationship. I think especially as a creative, what happens a lot of times is like when you're in a relationship, you can become, especially when you're younger, you can become like a unit where mm-hmm. it's like, we do everything together. We do this, we do this. And you can start to lose your identity a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think like that breakup was really great for me because I kind of went back to the start. Like I, I started from just a plain level, uh, playing field mm-hmm. and was like, you know, just like figuring out like what I was good at and like other aspects of my creativity. Right. Um, I also just like loved painting too from college. Like big painting. Yeah. No, normal painting. Normal painting. Yeah. 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 Actual size. But you know, having an easel, having a muse, like uh-huh. putting everything up, it can take up a lot of space and there's a lot of time and stuff that you have to put into it. There's like days that it takes complete um, a painting, but with nails, it's like you could do a nail you know, do some uh, nail art and then like clean up your workspace and, you know, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no trace that you were just working and yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like much quicker and responsive, right? It's like, so yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So like I had started a website called, um, you don't need a man, you need a manicure on Tumblr. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and from there it just became like, honestly, I think I was like in the right place at the right time. Cause it was around like 2000, well, 2007 when I started doing nails, mm-hmm. but 2010 when I started being on Tumblr and Tumblr was, nail art was blowing up at the time. Mm. Like people were obsessed with nail art. And I already had like a body of work online that was, you know, people were looking at. Yeah. Because um, I was like making it my own, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Like I was doing stuff inspired by people that I knew. Like Tuesday Bastin, she was a friend of mine in New York. Um, she's an illustrator. She's a known illustrator in LA. But like doing nails inspired by her work. Um, doing nails inspired by Olympia Zagnoli. She's an artist, an illustrator, um, an Italian illustrator. Her color sensibility was amazing. And so anyway, I just felt like I was making, I was like kind of um, just making nail art my own, mm-hmm. you know? And it seemed like people were liking that. It, um, were you already now, like you were doing them to yourself to get out of that sort of like depression that you're in with the relationship. Yes. But when did you start doing other people? Well, shortly after, yeah, like shortly after what happened actually was interesting was I got like a, um, a publication, uh, reached out to me, Allure reached out to me and asked me if I could do Allure magazine. Yeah. Okay. They reached out. It was like pretty amazing, you know, but like I said, nail art was really blowing up. So they were like, Hey, we're doing this big nail story. Are you able to do a feature for us? I was like a hundred percent. And when I was on the phone with the editor, I said to her, let me hang on one second. I have to find a conference room. And she's like, oh, what do you, what do you mean? Like, um, I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm designing a coach right now. Because at the time I was designing a coach um, doing accessories, women's mm-hmm. accessories. And she was like, oh, I thought you were an, a nail artist. And I said, I am. I'm doing that, you know, like basically on my Tumblr. And I was doing freelance at the time. Like I was doing people's nails here and there um, just for fun, mm-hmm. like my friends and whatever. And um, she was like, oh, you know, Refinery29 is running this story about women who do, like, more than one thing in New York. Would you be interested in doing it? Like Separate story from the Allure one. Yeah. Wow. And so it was, like, two at once. Damn. And, like, my... Big ones. You know, it was pretty cool. Like, that was just pretty surreal. So, like, my story started to get told. Uh Uh-huh. And then from there, um, this girl reached out to me. Her name's Anna Miles. She's still a friend of mine. She worked for Deborah Lippman. She was like, hey, are you able to do Fashion Week and, like, work you know, work on the team. And I was like, are you kidding? Yeah, I would love to, but I have to be honest. Like I don't have my, my license, you know? And she's you like, need a license to yeah. do nail art? Yes. Well, to do, you know, to do, it's like, yeah, to do manicures, you need, a, you, need okay. a, you need a license. Okay. So I was like, I don't have that yet. And she was like, okay, well go and get your license and then give me a call. <laughs> and I like immediately 
you know, signed up for nail school, uh-huh. went to work, you know, went to school nights and weekends while I was at coach. And then that's kind of when I started like really working. You did know, you make the fashion week thing? Yeah. Uh, not that year because mm-hmm. I didn't have my license, but then I did like come back and started working with them, you know, quite a bit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Focus on yourself. It may sound selfish, but in reality, it's absolutely necessary for any kind of relationship. And it's so important to help cultivate an understanding of what you want to do and what you can do. It's cliche to say, but when you do you and really take that time to ask yourself the right questions, then you're setting yourself up for something great to happen. You never know where that's going to take you. You can have the sheer talent but how you apply that might surprise yourself. You might find that your skills can take on a new form. So something that you probably spent years refining might actually take you down a completely different path in life. Jessica found that new form of expression through her nail art. And if you recall a past Business of Hype guest and also former Parsons student, Christina Pack, her creativity moved from fine art into her love for photography. And I have friends who spent years in Photoshop and InDesign working on graphic design, only to then harness that into woodworking or sculpture. It's a fast-paced world, and the internet does a great job of reminding ourselves of this. So take that time to really examine what you can do. If there's any common takeaway from this podcast, it's to go out and try it. What happens after is just the next step in a very beautiful process. Okay, so that's that's the segue into it. But how about let's go pre even that, mm. right? Like, so you said you went to Parsons. Where did you go to high school? Where did you grow up? I'm born in Poconos, Pennsylvania. Born in East Stroudsburg, mm-hmm. um, and I moved to to New York. But yeah, um, I mean, when I was in high school, I was just like I was into fashion, and I was also super into nutrition as a high schooler, but I was just like, which one should I go to? Should I go into nutrition or should I go into fashion? I basically applied to different schools. On, and both, all, yeah. yeah and There's no I, nutritional fashion school. <laughs> definitely, you can't do both, you know? So yeah, for sure. So like I applied to Parsons um, and I thought if I get in there, I'll go there. Okay. You know, for, so that's where I went. But like even like before then, which is funny, in elementary school, I wanted to be a hand model when I was young. <laughs> Which is so funny, but like... Why? Why a hand model in elementary school? My, so my mother loves watching QVC. Uh-huh. So she'd... So the, the QVC is always on in our house. And they're always like showing off jewelry, you know? And there were so many... Um, all the women on the show had like these really nice nails and mm-hmm. really nice like French manicures. And I was like, how are their nails so white, you know? And like white... How, perfect. They're yeah. perfect nails, you know? My mom was like... Oh, you know, it's called the French manicure. Like it, they just get their nails painted like that. And I just remember I was so obsessed with that idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to get a French manicure. And then I also got like this nice soap. And I would like wash my hands really with like this nice That's soap so and put like moisturizer on it. And I would go over to my neighbor's house, who was her, she was an older woman, uh, like a grandma type, you know? Uh-huh. Her name was Ruth. And she was like, you could be a hand model. You have a beautiful hand. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I could be a hand model. You think so, you know? If so she that, only sees your Instagram now, look at I you know. now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. You yeah. Know? Okay, so hand model, career on hold. It's going to come later. <laughs> um, nutritionist. And then so you apply to Parsons. You get in, which is, you know, one of the best schools in the world. Uh, what major? 
Fashion. Which is the hardest division of Parsons to get into. Yeah. You got in just based off of what? You had a fashion portfolio already? You know what? I went to like high school um, and it was like a super, it was a prep school. So it was like all super academic focused. And that just like wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. Like I just remember thinking like, I've got to go into something creative because this stuff is just like, now I'll, now I'm researching about like what happened in history or like I'm interested in biology or whatever. But like when I was younger, it just wasn't on my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. What did you use to get into Parsons? Yeah. So I went, I had to like actually put together a portfolio. I went to University of the Arts every Saturday. They had a Saturday school Uh and my parents would drive me down there and I would like do artwork, like pastels, oil, you know, like just put together portfolio pieces. And basically like 95% of my portfolio came from that um, curriculum that I, that I was doing every Saturday. Wow. Yeah. Otherwise, like there wasn't really an art program at my school. And you knew what to put in the portfolio? Like, was it? I was just crossing figure, my fingers. Like figure drawing, like were there like croquis and sketches and stuff? Like yeah. is that what you had? I did finger drawing. Yeah, figure drawing. I definitely had um, sketches, um, paintings. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a lot of figures. Yeah. And then I also had like still lifes that I did on my own. Mm-hmm. But I had like a lot of sketchbooks too. You know, at the time, it's like you feel like I don't want to show anyone that stuff because mm-hmm. that stuff like nobody, it's not good. Like yeah. you only want to show the finished product. When you're old, you kind of realize that that stuff is also very important, you know, because it shows your thought process. It shows your work ethic. Like Mm -hmm. if you have a lot of sketchbooks, it's like, okay, you're, you're committed to something. Yeah. Some of my favorite artists, they tell me that like when they applied to art school, all they did was bring like 10 of their sketchbooks. I know. No portfolio. I know. Because that shows like, wow, this dude works or something, you know? Exactly. And that work ethic, I mean... Hustle beats talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of the times, like you can be the most talented person, but if you're not working towards something, if you don't have a goal about something, then it doesn't necessarily matter because someone who does have a goal and someone who is hustling and working really hard can surpass what you are naturally given. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Surpass talent. Yeah. Interesting. But, uh, you know, looking back, I wish I had shown some sketchbooks, mm-hmm. but I was just like, I'm not showing those. I'm only showing the, <laughs> you know, the finished stuff. This is what separates a lot of us. It's the hustle. Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you okay with putting in the hours? Are you dedicated enough to do whatever it takes? Are you taking it so seriously where you're able to prepare a plan and then check them off one at a time? Hustle beats talent. It's an argument that many will have, but if you look at anything from sports to music to design to art, shoot, the list goes on and on. Your hustle will set you apart and even help build a foundation for that longevity. You can have the best jump shot out there, but can you translate that into a team's full system? You could probably spit a couple of slick lines, but are you living in the studio working on your wordplay for an entire album? Are you jogging to the back room for a customer's size? Are you strolling back there while checking your phone? It's all the same thing, my friends. It's just different games. People have this um, sort of impression that going to art school is like coasting and super easy. But you kind of alluded to Parsons being like really, you know, requiring a lot of work ethic. Talk about your your experience and I can maybe share some more stories from Parsons as well. I would love to hear them. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, it's a mandatory 19 credits upon arrival. So it's like freshman year, you've got to do like 19 credits. Plus, you're in New York City, Mm -hmm. which is 
interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like you have to really restrain yourself. Yeah. When I was a lot of temptation. Oh my gosh, you know, like and when I was in school, I didn't party, I didn't drink, I didn't do anything because I was aware that the school was very expensive, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like way out of, you know, my family's price range. Yeah. And I had to pay it back, you know, and so it's like I just didn't want to mess anything up. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's like just constant constantly like working and then yeah, there's yeah, just there's so a lot. hard. I mean, they have a really strict lateness policy, right? Yeah, it's like you have to if you're late three times, you fail the class. Right. And if you fail a class, it's not like, oh, you're gonna take the class next year. You fail the entire year. Right. And Start it's all like, over the whole year. Oh my god. Three lates. <laughs> three times you're late. And it's not like nine like nine oh one is you're late. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're you have to be there at nine o'clock. Or like eight forty five just to be safe. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'd always get there so early. And you know what was funny? The elevator in the building it was the worst. It was the worst. And my class was always on the twelfth floor <laughs> every time. So I'd have to like with my portfolio, which is like twenty you know, like those mm-hmm. that massive portfolio, what is it, twenty four eighteen by twenty four inch yeah. like you know, your case sketch of pad. Like, supplies and shit you know carrying and we would all be like oh shoot the freaking elevator is like taking a while or one of them's down and we just go straight to the stairs because we cannot afford mm-hmm. to be late yeah the stairs were remember the stairs how busy they were it was like traffic jam it, in the stairs and you people everyone's going to the 12th floor yeah <laughs> oh my god and the other thing like i went to nyu before parsons so okay. i went to like a regular liberal arts school and the thing about that is like it was so much easier. Like you could actually just not do your homework and just not say a word in class. There were like 300 people in one classroom. Teachers mm. didn't even know your name. But at Parsons, like if you didn't do your homework and it was critique time, oh, like if there's 30 like- kids in the class and there's 29 pieces up on the wall, it's very obvious to the instructor that someone didn't do their work. You know, <laughs> know. it's like you can't hide it. You can't bullshit your way through art school. No, you yeah. really can't. You really can't. Um, and I mean the work too, like the people are so talented. So it's like, you don't want to just come with like, whatever you want to like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. you want to show stuff. You want to get a good critique because people don't hold back. Yeah. Like if they're not feeling your work, it's like, and I'm not talking about only the the teachers would give you critiques. Like they would open it up to the class. And a lot of times, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like people just feel like, you know, I don't get it. I don't get your concept here. I don't see what you're doing. (laughs) Like, what is this? So you know, after like, after I was in the school, I was just like, okay, I really need to like get it together because I don't want to be, you know, critiqued in class. Like I want to get pot, you know? Yeah. And also like, of course it made me like very punctual, you yeah. know, very punctual person to the point that I'm always like super early, you know? Wow. You're taking me back. I remember that feeling of making it through a critique unscathed, like not even, <laughs> I don't even need totally. compliments, just like unscathed. And I remember like the night before when you're finishing it, right? Like <laughs> at the, two o'clock in the morning like, or whatever. But whatever work you have to go through to get through an unscathed like critique was so worth it. Totally. Because there's nothing worse than standing up there and like everyone just being like, you didn't put in that much effort into this or like. And that's sometimes just what they would say too. Like, yeah. I could just tell that you did this last night, right. you know, or like it's just no holding back. Yeah. It's, it's real. It's really real. You get a quick wake up call. Yeah. Um, you finished Parsons? Yeah. Okay, I, Parsons. I didn't. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I left sophomore year. Um, how did you do at Parsons? You know what? Like I said, I like really developed a really strong work ethic there because I just would, did not want to repeat any courses, you mm-hmm. know? Um, 
and pay like, more. <laughs> yeah, and pay more. And in fact, because it was so expensive, my junior year, I started I started entering every single contest that I could enter. Mm-hmm. And so that means like I was entering like every single and I was winning them too, mm-hmm. which was crazy. Like, you know, I won like a Uniqlo contest, which was crazy. I was wow. like Yo, and actually the Uniqlo one was pretty cool because it was a t-shirt design contest Mm -hmm. and they were choosing like someone from the U.S. Like it was kind of like a worldwide contest, but they were choosing people from different places. And then the like reward is you get to go to Shanghai and then they fly you to Ningbo too to see your your t-shirts being mass produced. And the maximum entry was, was four. I entered four and I won twice. So they were like, we actually want two of your shirts. And they gave Whoa. me double the scholarship. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I was like so proud of what that. What year was that? Junior? Yeah, my junior and year. And did you go college. to China? Yes, I did. That's amazing. That was my first time like out of the country too, aside from Canada. So it was like a huge culture shock. That's um, sick. Yeah, that was cool. Did they was, make your shirt? Did, did it go into like... Yeah. Really? So I, you had a shirt in Uniqlo in college? Two. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two son. <laughs> okay, what other what other stuff did you enter into? Um, I also did like a DKNY contest, which I um, won that one. I have to say, like a few people won that. Like there was like they were choosing like five or something people, and I was one of those people. And the garment that we made that I made was um, ended up being sold in the window of DKNY on Madison Avenue. So they were doing that. There was a Gap contest that I won that afforded that like gave me a. I think it gave me a scholarship and it also gave me an internship for the summer, mm-hmm. um, which paid, which was great. And wow. also like, so I got some experience in that. Um, and then probably like the most substantial one was my senior year. I entered a CFDA target design initiative. Mm-hmm. So it's like CFDA and target, mm-hmm. you know, the target, store, target yeah. the store. Yeah. yeah. And um, they were, that was like a national contest. Um, and the winner gets like, you know, $5,000 gift card and like scholarship money and mm-hmm. also like this job. You get a job at Target. Yeah. Okay. I'm you get gonna... a job at Target, but it's like a special program too, because you dabble in a little bit of everything. So you go into menswear, women's wear, like accessories, kids or whatever. And then at the following year, you're able to decide which one you want to go into and then you can kind of like build your career off that. So I think it'd be good for someone if if you didn't really necessarily know what you wanted to get into. It was the way to like get a little taste of everything without mm-hmm. having to like jump from job to job. Yeah. And then you can kind of like focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you win the CFDA one? I won. I won the first place. But <laughs> Your and I, school friends must have hated you. <laughs> like you can't just win once. You got to win twice in the same freaking contest. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I just was not like playing around. Like I just Obviously. really, I really needed the money, you know. To be honest, that school is, school is so expensive. Word. You're like and, playing scratch offs and winning them too. Like <laughs> yeah. Wow, Jessica really kills it. These are major. Not only is she talented to win all of these contests and scholarships, but it's her grind that puts her on another level. We hear about the major Uniqlo and Target CFDA ones, but she put in work on so many contests throughout her time at Parsons. And when you set your sights on a major goal, but are backed up against the wall because of financial constraints, those who hustle will most definitely find a way to work it out. It's one thing to say, oh, you know, she has talent, so of course she would win. But entering, doing the due diligence to figure it out and registering, that's another thing. There are plenty of people that also have talent, but just didn't go through the effort to enter. 
In fact, I'm ashamed to admit, I might be one of those people. I was probably too busy breaking into Parsons at night trying to silkscreen teas. It's like we said, Parsons, and I'd imagine most art schools, are not easy. It's not a walk in the park school that you can easily slack through. They have very high expectations and strict policies for meeting them. I remember during my time, one professor would just rip pieces of work off the wall onto the ground if she didn't think that it was worthy. It was quite common for people to just cry and run out of the classroom. I don't think this happens too often at regular colleges, but what this does is build character. Now, not everyone listening to this is in art school. Not everyone has a portfolio that they can enter in the contest. So how does this apply to you? Here's the takeaway. Trial by fire. Push yourself to the limits. This is the only way to find out who you are and what you're truly made of. But I decided to not take the job at um, Target. What? Yeah, I just, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I just. They must have been like, no, that's part of the, <laughs> like, you kind of have to do this. You have to do the job. Well, um, I think, yeah, I think so. Like a few people did call me, which were, which was really nice. And they were like, listen, like we would really love to have you. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Because to be honest, I had already accepted a job at Fossil in, in Dallas. Fossil um, watches. Yeah. Okay. I needed to like, you know, I really needed to get it something lined up after school. Like I was ready to like, yeah. I, I just am not in that, I was not in that financial situation, mm-hmm. you know, where I could just take my time with it. So I needed to know what was I was going to do. I already said yes to Dallas. But also when I visited Minnesota... Which is where Target is. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. like Minneapolis. Right. It was so cold there. It was like 40 <laughs> degrees and people were in shorts. And I remember being like, if they think that this is warm... Like, <laughs> they were in shorts and 40. And like, yeah, because like even the underground parking is heated. Like there's like skylines where you walk across. You don't have to go outside to walk across a building. Uh-huh. It's like kind of like the Jetsons, you yeah, know? I'm yeah. like, Gosh, it must get really cold here, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So I was like terrified of being cold. Um, and also there was like a little bit of a business attire that came along with that job. Like you you had to dress a little bit differently. Uh-huh. And as a creative, I just felt like, I don't know if that would have <laughs> like changed, you know, changed the way that like I was working or or, any, right. or had an effect on me. And I didn't really want to find out. I'd also have to get like a whole new wardrobe. There were like a few things, you know? Right. But you were on this like CFDA path. Yeah. So you went to visit Target. When you come back, like you just told them no? Did people try to like dissuade you? Yeah. You know, actually Tim Gunn gave me a a phone call and was like, because he was like still (laughs) at the time. Oh, okay. And on the CFDA boot board, I would assume? Well, he was just, I actually don't know. Was he Parsons Dean? Yeah. Okay. He was the Dean of Parsons Fashion. And Tim Gunn has the show. What is it? Project Runway. Runway, right. He's like the god of Project Runway now. He's like so he calls you. <laughs> yeah. He calls me. I mean, he's like literally the best person and really like looking out for everyone. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a mentor to me when I was in school, but he called me and he was like, hey, I found out, you know, that you may not accept this job. Like, are you sure you're making the right decision? And I said, you know what? Yeah. You know, a few reasons I kind of, you know, told him the, the thing. And I said, and also like, I do have another job on the table. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, okay. And he was like, well, as long as you have another job lined up, because, you know, his thing is he just wants to make sure that you're doing what you feel is right, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And to be honest, like I did that first year um, that I didn't take the job, I was really thinking, did I make the right decision? Regret. Yeah. You know, right. like, was I just being like silly and should I have done that? But looking back, I mean, I basically had a goal that like after 
when I was in Dallas, I was like really missing New York, you know, and Dallas was a very different place. Mm -hmm. So I was like, when I go back to New York, like my goal is I go back to New York and Mm -hmm. I work at Coach because Coach Coach was like an amazing accessories design brand and Mm -hmm. I was in accessories. So I was like, if I get, if I get to Coach, then I'm not going to regret it Mm -hmm. because it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Right. You wouldn't have stayed in Minneapolis anyway, like no. even if you went to Target. No, no, Yeah. No. But I mean, it was a hard decision because back then, like what year are we talking about when you graduate? Oh, it was like 2006, I think. Okay. So like 07, 08, like Target was like the shit. They were so really cool. doing dope, innovative stuff. And they were doing like the designer collaborations, yeah. you know, which was like so cool because it made it affordable right. to people. And so it was like, oh, Parenza Schooler did a collab. Like, you know, uh-huh. this, like that... There was some kind of like super cool appeal to it, but I just really had, I just had this gut feeling like, don't do this job, you know? Okay. Yeah. So you go to Dallas and then you figure out how to get back to New York vis-a-vis Coach. Yes. And you were just always looking at Coach? Yeah, 100%. Well, Coach is like, I mean, they were like super successful. They were having a moment too, you know, like they were like at the height of their popularity. And I was really loving the way that the bags were looking, like you know, they were kind of breaking out of the signature sea and trying new things. And so I just wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, they were a really successful company. Um, I heard that they had a great work environment. Like the the things that mattered to me were what they were providing. So I definitely wanted to do that. And then when I interviewed, the people were amazing, Mm -hmm. like the most talented people. um, And the team was just great. So I took that job, you know. Nice. Got it. You, you, Set your sights on a target and you get it. Yeah. How many years did you spend that coach? I was there for seven years in total. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I started in women's accessories design, doing like small pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved over also to technical design, which is more about the construction of, and I was in handbags. Mm-hmm. So it was like more about how the bag looks on the shelf and like the interworkings of the bag and the um, fillers and stuff like that. So it was really cool because it gave me like, a lot of perspective of like how, what it takes to create something and make it look good. Yeah. Which I still carry the knowledge to me today. And then, um, and that that's like from the construction, like technical aspect. But then I was also doing like, initially I was doing like just the fun stuff, like, you know, sketching and like, you know, designing something right. from scratch. I remember you told me before when we met up that um, earlier in college years in high school, you actually like sort of had dreams to work in like streetwear and urban, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, like actually, yeah, when I moved to New York or when I was at Parsons, like, I mean, New York, you can't like go around New York and like not listen to Jay-Z or like not listen to Nas. Like that's, it's just... The soundtrack, yeah. You know what? Exactly, exactly. It's the the soundtrack of the city. So I admire Jay-Z so much. Like I love his his lyrics. I love his music. And that's really what I wanted to do is work at Rockaware. It's <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I wanted to work at Rockaware so bad. Did like, you like wear Rockaware too? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. I had like a zip up, you know, a hoodie or whatever I would always be wearing. Um, and I was just super into like that that new like wave that was coming. It was like Rockaware, Fat Farm, like Baby mm-hmm. Fat. Sweet face, you know, I could go like House of Darion was coming up too. Yeah. Um Baby and, Fat, yeah. You know, it's just like it's it was so cool because mm-hmm. it felt like it was just new. It was like fresh, right? It was new and it was what like we wanted to wear. Yeah. Like it was like what we wanted to wear at that when I was like I was the consumer uh-huh. and I was like, that's just what I want to wear. Right. Like I want to wear something bedazzled. Or like <laughs> I want to wear something like that's a full denim fit, you know, like or whatever it was. They were just like really 
unapologetic about all of mm-hmm. the way their style. And so, yeah, I actually went to the um, to the like the Rock Aware like office or whatever, and uh-huh. kind of like stayed outside. I had my book with me. And I was like, I'm going to get a job, you know? So someone came out of the office. Wait, you stood outside without an appointment, you mean? Yeah. You stalked Brock Aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I talked to this this one guy came out and I was like, hey, you know, I, I would like love to work here and I'm a student at Parsons and like I have my portfolio with me and I was just wondering if there's any kind of opportunities, uh-huh. you know, that are available. And he was like, yeah, actually we have, you know, whatever, like not immediately. He's like, yeah, we have something. To do. <laughs> no, he was like, let's, you know, let's sit down. Like mm-hmm. we had a, actually maybe he made me, we might've made an appointment after that. And mm-hmm. then I came back mm-hmm. um, and I showed my, my book and I was like, I'm interested in like anything, like working here. I was just explaining my, pre- my passion. Like, and um, he was like sick. Like, would you, you know, we have something open in men's hats and cold weather. And I was like, let's do it. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. Freelance or intern? Uh, it's like freelance, but it's funny because it was, it's not like whatever I wanted to do. It was kind of like, they gave me like specific things mm-hmm. that they needed to very, be Very, very per project. Things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've done that before too. Oh, for real? I've stood outside offices that I wanted to work at, oh, that's but never so had the courage to actually step up to someone. I would just like drool at it. Really? Yeah. Just, but I, I totally know, like you look up the address of the headquarters and then you go to the building, you just like look up at the building. And, and it wasn't far from Parsons. Like it was down the street, you know, on okay. Fashion Ave and everything. So I just thought, well, the worst thing that could say, they could say is no. Mm-hmm. And if they say no, then I'll go somewhere else, you know, right. I'll stock another place. Right. Or I'll whatever. win another contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, that was like, that was super cool. And like, they were the best, like that atmosphere, the environment, everyone was so nice. It was so cool. It just felt like home, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you also spent time at Triple Five, right? Yeah, I was- Triple Five Soul, yeah. Yeah, I was, I don't know if it was freelancing at Triple Five or interning, but either way, I was, they were, it was a paid thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so I was at Triple Five Soul working on men's accessories, I think shortly after Rock Aware. It was kind of towards the end of my, uh, my senior year which was really cool. They were in Williamsburg at the time. Mm-hmm. The offices were amazing. They yeah. were like always playing good music. My boss was so cool. If there's one word that describes Jessica's journey, it has to be hustle. She's willing to do whatever it takes to get what she wants. And that is so dope. It's something that we all should be instilling in ourselves. Know the school that you want to go to? All right, find out what's needed in the portfolio and put in the work to create it. School's expensive? All right, find out every contest you can enter and blow it out of the water. You found the brand that you love and want to work for? Stand outside their headquarters until you lock down a meeting. A true hustler. It's amazing. We should all learn from Jessica. Make it a point to be aware of what you want to do and figure out the steps to get there, whether conventional or unconventional. Those people who are willing to go outside the box and stick their necks out further than others, those are the ones who inspire me. Look at someone like Chinatown Market founder Mike Sherman, a previous guest of the show and, yet again, another Parsons alumni. Like Jessica, he made sure I knew his name when he wanted to work for Staple back in the day. He figured out my walking route from home to office, which is pretty scary, I don't know how he did that, and then he created a poster that said, Jeff Staple, hire me, and plastered it all over the city walls so that I'd see it on my way home or on my way to work. I took notice, but unfortunately, so did the NYPD. 
He was arrested and thrown in jail for a few days. But when he came out, I interviewed him. Conventional? No. Effective? Absolutely. Uh, you're at Coach now, and then uh, you spent seven years at Coach, you said? Yeah, in total. And, okay, so when was the next move after Coach? Well, so like while I was at Coach, I got into nails. Yeah. So I was like taking nail jobs while I was... Got you. While I was at Coach. Was and the bad breakup during Coach era? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was an interesting time because I was like working full time, but then I like had just started to do nails. Yeah. After coach, I just was doing nails. Okay. You know, like I literally was just like, I'm going to just take the leap and do this full time. Get clients and like just do 100%. high end manicures. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know. It was like a range, you know, because like basically I would have always my nails done. Like I always did my nails every single week, like I said. So if I was on the subway and someone said to me, I like your nails. Mm-hmm. I actually had business cards made because so many people would tell me, oh, I love your nails. Like, and I would say, oh, thanks. I did them. And they were like, you did them. What's your name? You know, what's your name? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I thought, you know, just make a business card. And, mm-hmm. Like it made it easier for me. So I had like really nice business cards mm-hmm. that literally said, you don't need a man, you need a manicure and <laughs> in letterpress. And then it was like, it was like gold foil letterpress. It was so cool. And then um, it had like just my name, my email and like my website um, and the edge was all hot pink, which was really cool. But nice. that helped me do like a bunch of people's nails. Like I had clients all around. And then also, um, you know, I had got my nail license like towards the tail end of coach. And I started doing like editorial work a lot with Deborah Lippman. Explain who Deborah Lippman is. Oh, Deborah Lippman is like a nail icon. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a call from someone who worked with her and was like, hey, um, you know, are you interested in doing fashion week for us? Like, she's like, are you interested in being on a team? And I said, yeah, I'm like super interested, but I don't have my license. So she was like, um, you know what, go and get your license and then give us a call. Mm-hmm. So I literally just like looked up the, um, school, got my license and then got back in touch with them and, you know, didn't do fashion week that time, but yeah. I did other fashion weeks and started doing like editorials a lot with her as an assistant. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's crazy because when I was a coach, like the first job I worked on with Deborah Lippman. So like basically someone had called me from her team and was like, hey, are you able to do work on this weekend? I said, yeah, I don't care what it is. You know, I'll do it. It was like on set stuff. And it turned out it was for Harper's Bazaar. I was like, this is crazy, right? Uh So I go to the studio. Of course, I'm early because my Parsons work ethic, you know, (laughs) and I'm sitting in the like studio waiting. Their crew is like setting up. And they're wheeling this cart through the studio and the cart says the date said Harper's Bazaar. And then it said photographer Lagerfeld. And I was like, Lagerfeld? (laughs) And I thought it has to be a different Lagerfeld (laughs) because I'm like, there's no way. But then I thought, wait, it's like, and just, it was this crazy wave of emotion, you know, because coming from Parsons, that's like who I learned about, you know, and like, yeah. read about on style.com and like read about in magazines and like of course he Karl Lagerfeld is an icon you know so yes. it was insane he was the photographer on set and that was like my first like taste of Whoa. of on set work and the stylist was Corinne Reutfeld wow and I was just so in awe you know and it was a it was a three-day shoot so I was there for two of the three days because the the following day it was like Saturday Sunday Monday or something like that and yeah. of course I had to go back to work on Monday but yeah. I was just like living a dream for that weekend for just a weekend. Yo, that is such a New York 
story. I know. It's so true. And I felt so, yeah. And I felt so lucky, you know, it's like, (laughs) this is, this doesn't happen to other people. Like this doesn't happen to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like I literally pinched myself and was just like, be present the entire time because this is a real dream, you know? And that was crazy. That's amazing. Okay. Um, So post coach, you are just doing nails on your own. Yeah. How is it being now you're like an entrepreneur? You have to run your own business. You have to get yourself out of bed and oh my gosh, set yeah. your own hours. How did you like that versus like structure of corporate America? It was so interesting because like nails, nails is really something that I love to do. Um, but like taking the jobs I quickly found out was it changed it for me a little bit mm. just because when you're getting like a final approval on things or like some, you know, it brings a lot of people in. It was like a little bit different, but Also, like when I'm studying fashion, it's all about, you know, the glitz and the glamour and the photo shoot and all the stuff. And like coach didn't have a runway show at that time. Mm -hmm. Like my, my picture and like idea of fashion from school translated into like really me being at a desk doing something (laughs) behind a computer versus like nails was like, you know, I'm like literally brushing shoulders with like these really incredible fashion icons. Mm -hmm. So like in that way, it was it was completely different, but I did enjoy that. Um, I did enjoy like the way that you could do some, you can kind of like do nail jobs and like have a few more days off than you usually would. Sure. But the thing is also like, I also had a, a lot, like a, some jobs, I had like a few jobs in one day, mm-hmm. which would be a lot, yeah. you know, and then I would have like a day off, but it was a little bit, it was a little bit challenging because with like coaches very safe or like any kind of corporate yeah, job. Any like, job. You have stability. You have stability. You have benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you have the weekend off. Right. You clock out at five, you're done. And... Well, six, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's like six in New York for, in my experience. But, um, but yeah. And so like nails was like, we would run sometimes till like, you know, midnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting because on the one hand, you're doing what you love. You're following your passion and yeah. now you're getting paid for it. Right. But then you quickly realize that, wow, if I'm not, doing nails, I'm not getting paid anything. Right. Exactly. Like you have to hustle. And in New York, that's scary as shit. (laughs) Like when you're not making money. Your rent is very real in New York Uh and it's very due when it's due, you know, like there's no like wiggle room. And so, yeah, like I was really hustling. Like Mm -hmm. I was giving away business cards. I was doing everyone's nails who I could. Like I was taking every job, like saying yes to everything. And like for me, like I said before, it kind of changed it a little bit for me yeah. because I just realized, you know, I miss having that balance. Like I really enjoy doing both things. Mm. What I, what I feel like sometimes like trapped in is when I'm, I'm only doing one thing, mm. you know, like right. I want to express myself in different ways. Um, and I want to be on a team, but I also want to meet new people. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I yeah. want best of both. Right. And so doing nails and like there was definitely a struggle you know mm-hmm. what i mean like especially like i was up and coming and i was assisting i mean i would get thrown lead jobs of course you know and lead things on my own but it was very different than corporate right. fashion how long were you doing it on your own after coach mm, i think like three years wow three or four that's years. dope yeah it was pretty cool and then after that time you did you feel like okay it's it's about time for me to get back into some structure in my life I just missed like creating something like working on construction because it's like a skill set that I had uh-huh. because like when I was in school, I learned illustrator so well. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed that people were not 
really knowing, like learning <laughs> Illustrator yeah. because everyone was like an artist and they wanted to draw and like they just didn't want to be confined. And I was like, listen, if people aren't learning Illustrator, like I see that this is the way that this is going. Like yeah. this is the way that digital is like happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're not going to slow down from it. So like I need to get that going and I need to know like all the hotkeys and get really good at Illustrator. And I spent so much time in college learning that program. I have such a fond relationship with Illustrator. I feel very comfortable in that program. And I love creating on, yeah. like, digitally, you know right. what I mean? I love specking. Like, it's kind of funny, but like, I missed doing that aspect. You of, miss tech packs? I actually like, that's, <laughs> I love doing, like telling exactly what I want. Uh-huh. It's like, I want it to be exactly the size and here's an actual size of it. And here's like, I really enjoy that. Right. Um, there is an art to making a beautiful tech pack. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is too. It's like, there's beauty in it. There is. Like when I see a spec that like, you could just tell someone didn't want to do it. You could see that they didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I find it like so captivating when you look at a spec and you can see someone gave so much time explaining this is debossed, this is, you know, embossed, this is just stitched or embroidery, like, because you start to create dimension and that is, has an emotional appeal to it. Yeah. And if you don't spend the time doing that kind of stuff, you create product that may not have a lot of meaning to it. Mm. So it's like that stuff that you may... When I was younger, actually, when I was in college, I would like kind of gripe at doing a, a spec. Like I didn't really connect with like yeah. how important it was. Right. Those minute details matter. And so I just like obsessed that part. And in nails, I miss that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Like just being able to create something else other than just like a flat painting. Right. So what was the next stop for you in life? After that, I went to Marc Jacobs. I was how did you land in Marc Jacobs? You just called Mark up? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um... Actually, I had a friend who was there and he was like, you know, you should, you should apply here. There's a spot open. Like he just mm-hmm. told me about it. In accessories as well? Yeah. Well, he was in jewelry at the time, but there was a spot open in accessories. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I think I should work there because I love that brand too, yeah. you know? And, and honestly, like I would never work somewhere that I didn't want to be at, you mm-hmm. know, like I wouldn't just you know, spend time at a place. Like I have done it, but it's not really worth it. And yeah. you, after, it's not... It's not um, sustainable. Sustainable, right? It's not sustainable to be at a place that you don't care about. Yeah, you know, and with a deep passion, right? So, like, I really liked Mark Jacobs. Um, I applied there. I showed my portfolio. They were like, you know, they liked it. And then I also was like, hey, you know, and I also showed my nail stuff. And they were one of the first companies because actually before Mark Jacobs, I was like applying to different places. Like, I thought Kate Spade was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied there, like you know, different, different places. And they didn't understand at all. Like anytime I would show, Hey, listen, like, here's my, my Mm -hmm. accessories portfolio. And I also do nails and here's my nail work. It would go so far over their head and be like, why are you here? If you do nails, (laughs) why would you want to do, you know, both, both things. And like, they just felt like I wouldn't be committed to it or that I wouldn't be focused or I don't, I really don't know what. So they would like your portfolio work. And yeah. then they would, you would show the nail work and they would be confused. Like dumbfounded, wow. like so confused. Interesting. Like why? I think because they want to put people in boxes. And, yeah. right? and once you show the nail art, it's like, oh shoot, you don't fit into the box that I had thought about. Right. I felt like they thought that I wasn't focused on accessories. Mm-hmm. Or committed to that one job. Committed is exactly the right word. Right. I think that they were worried about my commitment to uh-huh. the position. Yeah. Where in fact, it's like beneficial to do both things, mm-hmm. you know? And Mark and team saw that? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were cool. like, this is so cool. Wow. You do nails too. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Like, you know, this, it was a really, it was, the interview went well. I was nervous, you know, of course I'm always nervous during any kind of interview, but it went really well. And, and also the fact that they understood that was very cool to me. Yeah. And then, um, did you actually meet Robert and Mark? I never did. Oh, you never met Mark? No, I actually didn't. No. Oh, wow. Because you know, at the time it was Katie Hillier and Luella Bartley. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so how, how many years did you spend at Mark? Uh, I think I was there for like one, one year. Okay. Because you know that Mark Jacobs is an incredible brand to work at. You can be so creative. Um, the thing is, I was like really working around the clock. Mm-hmm. Like I was like clocking out at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and I'm not wow. talking about once or twice. Like it was a constant thing. Like working on weekends is typical. Like, Damn. And I, again, like, you know how I talked about, I like to have the balance. When I was at Mark, I didn't really have the balance with my nails. Like I had to keep saying no to nail jobs, which was killing me because like I wanted to do certain things, mm-hmm. you know? I just didn't have the capacity. Yeah. And if I did, I just like my nail, I had like no nail polish on, like, you know, often. I just felt like I'm not, this isn't like what I want to do. You know, I'm right. not putting myself first. Again, I'm in a relationship where it's all about that person and not about me, you know? And now that person is Mark Jacobs, yeah. the brand. <laughs> the brand. Not the man. <laughs> just the brand. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So you were getting burnt out, is really what it was. Yeah. I got super burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically like left there and just um, continued doing nails. Okay. So I just like got to go back and forth. Right, you know? right. But I was really looking for like a balance mm-hmm. because I, I thought, you know, I know that like if I like doing more than one thing, there has to be an opportunity for mm-hmm. me to do that. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. You know? So how did, so you're back to your own business doing your own nails and then. Was there like a moment of clarity where you're like, what do I want to do? Yes. Oh my gosh, totally. I basically took this job that I didn't, I wasn't super passionate about, Mm -hmm. but it was going to help like pay my rent, you know? (laughs) Important. (laughs) Important. (laughs) And um, and that way it kind of afforded me to be able to do the specs and stuff that I like to do and like create on that side. Mm -hmm. But then on the product side, but it also helped me have time and free time to be able to do, to work, you know, yeah. for nails. So I would like be doing shoots early in the day and go into work or like leave work and go and do stuff at night too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, eventually because I wasn't passionate about that brand, it was like after a year, I just was like, this isn't what I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't see myself in having a future here. And I literally came home one day, sat down on the couch and was like, okay, like, we need to have a conversation because I could just tell that I needed to make a decision. I thought, what do I really want to do? You know? Mm. And I took some time and thought about like all the options, my background, like things I like to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought, honestly, the coolest thing like that I could do that I would want to do, the best thing that I would want to do is work at Nike <laughs> because I love Nike. Yeah, Like Nike to me, I was always wearing Nikes growing up. Like that brand is, was everything to me, their logo, like just do it. It inspired me so much, Mm -hmm. you know, especially like just getting into like, you know, the technical aspects of fashion. It's like almost like this hurdle where a lot of people, they want to do the fun stuff of fashion, but they don't want to do the back end. Like I was talking about, which is like the specking or whatever, but just thinking like, just do it. It just inspired me. Like this is a part of the job that you have to do. So if you know you have to do it, don't 
have a feeling about it, just do it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then when you get into it, like when you start just doing it, you get really into it. Right. It's funny, like their slogan was like, when you were sitting on that couch, it was like calling to you, like, just do it. Totally. Just do it. Totally. You know what else I love is you said, um, we had to have a conversation. Who's mm-hmm. Like there wasn't anyone else in the room in the couch, right? Yeah, right, right. You mean we, meaning you and yourself. Me and myself. Which I think a lot of, like younger creatives that I talk to aren't having that we conversation. Mm. They're not asking themselves what it is that they actually want to do. It's true. Yeah. I, I mean, and and I really hadn't done that either up to that point. I mm. was kind of just like, you know, life was coming. Right. To, Rent know, was coming. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And I was just going with the flow. Yeah. But just pausing and being like, let me think about what is my next move and like make a smart move. Mm-hmm. Don't just jump around because I was really thinking like, you know, what am I going to do? Like go to Kate Spade or Tori or Michael Court, you know, it's like, and do accessories there. It's kind of the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I already have a little bit of a taste of what that's like. Do I want to continue that? Do I want to go to high fashion stuff? And like I said, there's like more time than I think people, you know, you have to spend a lot of time at those places. And then I was just worried about, my focus was like, I wanted to balance both of them. Yeah. So I wanted to be at a company where I would be able to do something amazingly creative, but also have like a nice balance so that I could fulfill, like fill my cup up, you Word. know, in a creative way. Having a conversation with yourself is probably one of the most important things you can do. Really questioning what has led you to where you are now. Only then can you potentially answer the question of where you want to go. This can be a hard conversation to have, but it must be had. It seems things have come full circle for Jessica, because nail art is how she actually started focusing on herself, and this knowledge of self is what will lead her to the next step in her life at this crucial crossroads. Listen, when you're early in your career and rent is knocking, do what makes things work. Do what writes those checks but never give up on the bigger picture. In past episodes this season, we heard from Kirby of Pierre Moss and how he worked at AT AT&T and Sprint just to make ends meet, but he always kept working on his designs on and off the clock. Salehi of Versace always wanted to work in footwear design, and even though it wasn't Tinker Hatfield level, he took a role at Payless so he could get his foot in the door. But then, once you've established yourself and your career is growing, the next opportunity can be more selective. Matter of fact, it needs to be. You'll know when to start looking for something that is more fulfilling and your patience will be rewarded. In a recent episode with iconic LA-based artist Mr. Cartoon, he talked about the ability to say no in order to keep himself open for the goal that he really wanted. When Nike approached him to be the tattoo artist for an event, he actually wanted to collaborate on a shoe his no to the $10,000 tattoo job was a larger no to putting him in the box as the help. He wanted to be seen on a level beyond that. So really look into yourself, define what you want, and create guidelines for yourself. This will keep you true and pointed in the right direction. The only thing you got to do from there is to just do it. So you decided on Nike. I was like, I want to go to Nike, but I was like also terrified, how? you know. How, how do you get into Nike, right? How do I do it? Um, <laughs> Did you wait in the lobby with your portfolio? <laughs> Did you go to Nike town with your book? Like, <laughs> No, getting into Nike is a lot harder 
So what did you do? You know, actually, I bought like LinkedIn Premium first, <laughs> and I was just like, you know, paid the money or whatever, and uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'm going to scour LinkedIn for like jobs at Nike. I don't know why I was like, I was like super into LinkedIn. Yeah. You know? I was like, there's got to be opportunity for me here on LinkedIn, and I couldn't find anything. I was trying to like find people to connect with or whatever, you know, um, or in mail. Yeah. And um, I don't know why I was doing that, <laughs> but that's just what I was doing for like several weeks. Like it was so funny. And then suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, like, cause I, I wasn't finding any jobs yeah. that like I was right for. So I was like, oh my gosh, go to the website. Like, it was like what? a public website that yes. everyone can look at for Nike jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Nike made a job website. <laughs> it's like right on their website. You know, it's like right there, right. like at the bottom. But uh, so anyway, so I, I went to their website and I thought like, I just typed in design just to see what was, you know, going to pop up. Mm -hmm. And I saw a job for color design, color designer. Mm -hmm. First of all, the word like that, that title color designer, I was like, that's, that feels so right. You know, it felt like light, like it was just like, it felt like that was something that I could really see myself doing because it reminded me a little bit of what I do with nails Mm -hmm. anyway. Like I'm doing color design with nails and I'm really obsessed with color not in the way that like I'm obsessed with colors, so I wear like blue, pink, purple, green all day, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm obsessed with the value of a color, the hue of a color, like what that color means, the finish of it. Like I could go on, but it's yeah. like I'm truly like captivated by nuances uh, in color. Mm-hmm. And like if there's a position that's specifically for color, I just yeah. felt like, oh man, that could be perfect for me, you know? Right. So you apply. And then what happens? I apply. um, And I also, since I had my LinkedIn thing, I reached out to someone who I saw was also working at Nike that was in my network. Okay. And I was just like, hey, you know, do you mind sending my my resume through? She did, you know, Mm -hmm. it was was awesome. And like the next day, like I remember it was immediate, the um, recruiter got in touch with me. We scheduled the call. And I thought, okay, you know, this is great. I put, I threw some like things together on a page that was all accessories focused. I didn't. I just mentioned to her that I do nails and she was like really interested in that. Mm. But, um, but she was like, okay, yeah, show us some of your work, which my work was accessories. Yeah, I sent that through and she was like, this is great. Hey, by the way, like the design team's traveling in New York right now. Do you want to meet with them in like two days? <laughs> and I'm like in two days, like meet with Nike. This is like my big goal right now. Yeah. Two days is not enough time for me to get stuff together, but I'm not about to say no to this opportunity. Right. So I like, you know, and plus my portfolio has dust on it. Like <laughs> I was not ready. You have no shoes in it, right? No, no, no. I had no experience in footwear. Um, so you're like, okay, I got 48 hours to put together a portfolio for Nike. Yeah. And I went down to Eastside Copy with my <laughs> with my laptop and I was like, I'm about to put together a portfolio like real quick. I printed out all the pages, you know, all the pictures that I needed to print, uh-huh. try to get it together as fast as I could. Of course, at the final hour, like my portfolio breaks. Um, so there's no cover back. And I was just like, how am I going to show? It's like loose pieces of paper. I had to bind them together with like... I tried to like make it look nice. Right. Do you know what I mean? But it's just like was not my best look. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so crazy. So like I met with, um, his name is Devin McKinney and mm-hmm. he's like now, uh, I think senior design director of uh, color and NSW over all the footwear. And I met with him in New York and I showed him my work. I showed him my, my accessories design work and he was like, cool. You know, like he was like flipping through I was like, you know, trying so hard, like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, like this one's inspired by this. I'm trying to tell all the stories about everything, like yeah. really just, 
you know, because I thought, you know, what happens in an interview, it's about work, yes, but it's also about the personality. Uh-huh. So first thing I did was just explain, listen, my portfolio, I like pulled this together really quickly. I had like kind of short notice that you were coming, but I'm I was so excited to meet you. You know, I really wanted him to get a sense of like my personality as well as just a taste of what I could really do from a design side. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought it was cool, but it like... <laughs> You know, you didn't hit the home run on the portfolio. I, was, I could tell it was not a home run. Like I could just tell it wasn't a home run, and I was like, you know, I don't want to like lose this opportunity right now. Like, what should I do? And I was sitting there thinking, should I show my nail stuff? Because it had gone badly for you when you showed nail stuff before. Sometimes it had yeah. gone bad, and like, especially for footwear, I just wasn't sure if it would translate. Right. You know, and like. I really didn't want to take any any chances, yeah. but at the same time, when I saw that the portfolio was like not really doing it, <laughs> so this is like wait, so you have your nail art somewhere else, like in your back pocket. You had it as like a plan B. You yeah. didn't have it in your portfolio. No, no, no. But I, as he's flipping through the portfolio, he's like kind of like whatevs about it. Well, yeah, I mean, he's being really nice about right. it. You could just tell though. I could just tell. I could just read that this was not doing it. Weird. And I was like, okay, you know what? I have my laptop. I think I'm going to just show him. So there was like a little bit of a pause in the, like after I showed the portfolio uh-huh. and like, we didn't like, I just was like, you know what I also have is some nail work. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, you know, I'm also a manicurist in New York and I spe- um, do nail art specifically. And I'd love to show you that stuff too, which is very much color oriented. I mean, with nails, we're always looking at like the skin tones, the undertones of the skin, like trying to find the right nudes, like truly obsessing mm-hmm. the colors. So I was trying to explain that to him and like, it's like, I didn't even need to say anything. Like I showed him the iPad and he was like, oh, this is like so sick. Like the interview just turned around right there. Right around. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. (laughs) And honestly, in that moment, I knew for sure too. I was like, okay, this is where I should be is at Nike because they Mm -hmm. understand that you can do more than one thing and it's actually a benefit, you know? Yeah. Like me, I actually get a lot of work done when I have a lot of stuff on my plate because if I'm like working on something that's like has a pressing deadline and there's going to be a lot of eyes on it Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have a good idea in my head, there's a phrase like, you can't think of a creative idea when you're getting chased by a tiger, Mm -hmm. you know? And that kind of stuff, like if if we call that project with a pressing deadline, project A, right? You're not inspired by Project A. You don't know what to do. Right. And you're kind of like staring at a blank page, which Mm -hmm. is what so many creatives go through, right? Yeah, for sure. When you have an outlet that you could spend your time on that's not, there's no deadline attached to it. It's like completely free. Yep. But you have ideas around or or, um, a motivation to do something um, or you're inspired to do something on a different project. Project B. Project B, which is like nails in my case. Start there first, mm-hmm. because when you start in Project B, you're going to find that basically you get into like this blissful meditative state, which is like creativity is flowing. Yeah. While you're working on that stuff in the back of your head, it's Project A. Uh-huh. Without even you knowing it, maybe. Without even knowing yeah. it. And things are going to pop into your head that are going to inspire you to go over back to Project A mm-hmm. after you finish with doing you know Project B. And so then you go back with... You're motivated, you have good ideas, you're ready for the, you know, you have passion behind it and you're going to put in your best effort back into that project that you initially, like, were just staring at a white page, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you had creator's block with it. Yeah, where you were hitting a wall. Right. And I agree with you that, like, the busier you get, actually, like, the better all your work becomes. Oh, totally. People always ask me, like, 
how do you do so many different things? And I'm like, actually, it becomes, it's like surfing. Yeah. Like once you hop up on the board and you're catching that wave, it's like, it actually is quite easy, but you got to stand up on the board first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So like start wherever. And even if you have like A, B, C, D projects, it's like a nice, you know, plat. It's like that nice yeah. variety platter right. where you're like, okay, I'll take a little bit of this because I'm really interested in this right now. And then this and this, mm-hmm. and I'll come back to that one that I was really stuck, stuck on, on. Yeah, with all these good ideas now because I've fleshed out a few other ones. I'm feeling better. I'm Word. not feeling so stressed. Like your mental super important. So it was really cool that he was able to see that. Yeah. And then from there, you know, I had like another interview lined up, mm-hmm. which was great. It says a lot about Nike. I mean, that they can see that because a lot of other companies, like you said, you had experience with were like, oh, they were like weirded out by it. Right. Which is sort of short-sighted, I got to say. The only per- the only brand that did see through it again, like I said, was Marc Jacobs. You know, it's right. like the other ones. It says just, a lot. Yeah. They just were so confused by it. And, you know, Nike and Marc Jacobs are both known as creative yep. places probably because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was so cool. So being at Nike, they totally do embrace what you do with your nail art. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so great. Um, yeah, I think that, like, there's actually a lot of people at Nike who do more than one thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like a little community of, like, you know, artists or illustrators who also do sneakers. And yeah. it's, like, it's just very cool. Right. They really appreciate that. Where you work isn't just about the company's net worth or your benefits package, or the size of your paycheck. What's just as important is the environment that the company offers. What are the values of the company that you're working for, or the company that you want to start up? I think most people seek open-mindedness. If people are open, they'll be open to different references and ideas. And if people keep you in a box, they won't allow even themselves to expand outside of what's considered normal. Inspiration comes from everywhere. You can't work in footwear and only look at footwear. While some saw Jessica's nail art as a distraction and completely unrelated, it was actually the key selling point for her work to those who wanted to take notice. She can link in these different capacities. She's able to apply her attention to design and color to different mediums. It's not a negative, it's actually an asset. What she's been able to do is tie the two into one cohesive narrative professional design experience, and nail art all into one. And for those listening who identify with the Slash generation, if you're a designer slash DJ slash writer slash anything, think about how you're able to comprehensively frame what you're great at into one single cohesive narrative. A narrative that doesn't show you're uncommitted, but that you're able to use all of these skills as one. Whatever you do, don't get caught being the jack of all trades and a master of none. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you work on the Air Force. Yeah. Right? Like, how does it feel to be able to, like, apply all of your different Project ABCs into your actual work? Like, take take us back to when, like, you sat on the couch and you're like, what am I going to do? What do what, I want Yeah. Do? Are you feeling like everything's working out right now? You know, I feel really fortunate because I'm really like the skill set that I developed from accessories design, specking and like making things dimensional and making them, you know, look the way that I intend them to look. And also um, the skill set that I developed from nails, which is about color, graphics and um, finish Mm -hmm. a lot of times. 
I'm kind of like merging those two together to do, to work on the shoe because like nails and sneakers are pretty similar. It's like also, you know, nails are confined space, like sneakers, it's a confined space. Yeah. Especially Air Force, like you have a set parameter, just like a nail. And it's like already a classic shape. You know what I mean? Like everything's great about it. Like it's, yeah. So yeah, it's really similar. And I feel like really fortunate that I'm able to use both of those skill sets you know, and kind of bring them together in one mm-hmm. on like, you know, something on like something that I had my eye on for such a long time. Yeah. Now I know we obviously can't talk about future stuff that you're working on with Nike, but I highly encourage everyone listening to go to your Instagram because oh, all the you. stuff that you've worked on that's out, you can show, right? Like, I mean, you can stay oh, can yeah, see yeah. and like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. All the stuff that you've worked on. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. Thanks. I really, um, I mean, I really take a lot of pride in my work. I love, you know, my job, what I'm doing. And like I said, I feel like I'm kind of like bringing two worlds together in a way. Yeah. um, Which is really cool, especially because like nails are, nails are like definitely more female focused, you know, Mm -hmm. and sneakers can be more male focused, especially like I design for men. Um, Oh, you design on the men's side? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. So it's pretty cool. I would have thought they put you for sure in like women's. Yeah, no. So That's th- cool. Yeah, it's so, so cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, now that you've been through so much experience, I mean, talking about like from like RockAware intern, you know, to like coach, to Mark Jacobs, to Nike, to f- on your own entrepreneur, like what advice do you give young people who are trying to find themselves? Because that's the one thing I think you did really well was you kept finding yourself and yeah. knowing what you wanted to do what advice do you give young people who might be lost oh you know i would say like don't be afraid to start over or don't be afraid to like try something new like start over as many times as it feels right mm-hmm. and like explore the things that you like to do um sometimes you know and ask other people for advice too sometimes it's so obvious what you should be doing but yeah. you don't realize it like you need to hear someone say listen, like you've been doing your nails for a long time. Why don't you just go into nails? You know, mm-hmm. and you're and it's kind of like, oh, I never really thought about that. Yeah. Like having an outside perspective can be really beneficial. Right. Um, I remember when I was at Parsons, I was a product design major first. Huh. And my counselor like looked at all of my stuff, looked at my dorm and she was just like, you need to be in communication design, graphic design. Like you're in the wrong major. Right. And it was evident like just from somebody else and it changed the course of my career. Yeah, exactly. It's just like that. Um, there's so many times where you, you think like you get into your own head, like I want to be doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, but really what your passion is lies somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not able to see it yourself, ask other people, like, what do you think, you know, what do you think my passion is? Or like, what do you see me, me Mm -hmm. doing a lot that Mm -hmm. maybe I'm missing, you know? Um, but don't be afraid. Like, I mean, for me, like it was really important to have my independence. Like I need time to myself to create. And, um, and if I feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting myself first or I'm not like putting my oxygen mask on first, it's really hard for me to create something else. Mm. Um, so like I need to, I just need to make sure that I'm, I'm putting, putting myself first. I guess like also you can kind of just like sit with your thoughts a little bit and, you know, sometimes you, Sometimes you kind of answer the question yourself. Yeah. Um, when you, you just take some time away, because I think people are so into like, you know, the computer and going on Instagram and comparing themselves, or yeah. like I should be doing something like this. But if you're, 
if you're just like stepping away and being like, who am I, what am I doing right now? Like, mm-hmm. am I really happy here? Like asking yourself these, these hard questions will help lead you in the right direction. Do you do that like still to this day? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Is that like meditation? Ah, oh, you know what? Is it different? <laughs> mm, it's funny that you add, like I meditate right now. Um, and <laughs> like right now as we're doing the interview. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I actually started meditating a few years back, uh-huh. but I do like meditation retreats. So I do like, Oh, you're, you're into it. Like non-talking for 10 days type retreats, like the oh Vipassana God. ones. Um, I did three of them already, which has been like really cool because you do, you are, you do start to recognize your own thoughts. Like you start to see yeah. them. After, Ten days of no talking, you will only be talking to yourself after a while. And you and you see what rises to the surface. Like you're kind of like getting rid of a lot of stuff that is unnecessary or that you might be like worried about. Um, and it just kind of like comes out and then you're able to like find peace with whatever like who you are mm-hmm. and like just stay present kind of. I assume there's no Instagram in those 10 days either. No phones, <laughs> no TVs, definitely no social media, yeah. Wow, that sounds kind of scary and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's both. It's yeah. like terrible until the 10th day and then you're like, yeah, this is great, you know, uh-huh. because you feel very different, like the vibes are different. When you come back to it, do you feel like social media is like poison? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's really, it's, it's like jarring, you know. Uh-huh. You're just like, wow, this is like too much you know there's too much information because you start to live like a simple life um you know and just like you start to really be content with very little Mm -hmm. and then when you come back to even like just come back into the city there's so much like hustle and bustle and um yeah social media especially like usually i'm just completely off social media until absolutely necessary you know you have a pretty big following though it's hard do you find it's hard to not get like lost in the sauce of the gram (laughs) Um, I just like to, I don't really focus too much on that. Um, but I do, yeah, I don't really focus too much on like my social media, like the follower count or whatever, Mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, I don't take it personally if people don't follow me or like, you know, I just, I, I'm very thankful if people do want to, Mm -hmm. because it's like a journey and it's a process. Um, I'm like doing kind of two things. I'm posting about sneakers and nails. So, you know, it's, it's just like, it's two different, it's kind of like two different people, but there's also this cool overlap that yeah. happens between both of them. Um, Do you have to face haters ever? <laughs> I don't really, I don't really engage, you know? Right. I think like I did a YouTube video. Uh-huh. I was like, so I'm not trying to be a YouTuber, but like everyone was asking me how to do like this barcode manicure that I was doing. Barcode like, manicure. Yeah. It's okay. like a nails with a barcode on it. Okay. That scans? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I never tried it, but it's basically just like, a uh it's like a transfer and that, okay. and you can make it yourself. So okay. I just was trying to show people how to do that. Yep. I think it was this this manicure I'm talking about. And like the first thing that happened is like someone gave it a thumbs down. Right. <laughs> and I was like, what do you not like? Like Ugh, you know isn't what I mean? it weird how just that little action, like a thumbs down, just like <laughs> affects your psyche. It was just one thumbs down and I was just <laughs> like, what did I do? Right. But yeah, I mean, it's just not worth it. You know? Yeah. Like, who cares? Like I'm, regardless, it's, it's really easy to be the peanut gallery. Like it's really easy to sit there and say, oh, that person, you know, didn't do a good job or like they're not, you know, doing whatever that, you know, it's really easy to criticize. Yeah, yeah. What I find more interesting is when you, when you can look at something and say, you can problem solve. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing something negative, you can see an opportunity mm-hmm. and, f- and phrase it up like that. You know, like, hey, um, you know, maybe that color wasn't the right. Maybe you should have done this color instead. Yeah. Rather can than, you do your next video and try this? Like, you know, just, yeah, positive critiques, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, because like I said, like, you're, someone is at least putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other person who's like behind the screen isn't. So like, who cares yeah, yeah. what they say? You know, right. like, I don't know what that person is even doing. And it's really easy to hate, you know, on someone when you see them putting themselves out there. For sure, for sure. I just, I just did a video and there was like so much love and compliment. And then one dude was just like, he wrote, you are cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Those three words were just like... <laughs> So shout out to you, guy. You just became famous. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your advice and thanks for your time. That was really, really awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, thank you for listening to this inspiring episode with Jessica Washick. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other shows at hypebeast.com slash radio. We are now at almost 500 reviews and a 5.0 rating on Apple Podcasts. So keep shouting us out and telling us what you think of the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. In fact, I'm going to read one of the reviews right now. So this is from Hustle One. The subject is learning from every episode. As someone who works in a more traditional industry, I find that I learn something from every new episode. It's forced me to think outside of the traditional corporate box. And at the age of 52, these lessons are so valuable. No, we know we don't know everything. Thanks a lot. Thanks for that comment. Also, do me another solid and tell just one friend about this episode. Someone you know whose dream it is to do art as their way of living. I have a feeling they're going to thank you for it. We occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Nevetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. Our audio interludes are composed by Gabe Darling. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpra and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded on location at the Staple headquarters in New York City. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.